you know, there's progress with all of them. Each of them are like this little hurdle that when you get over that hurdle, you know, there's a sense of satisfaction and progress. And I really believe that like progress in life is what brings, you know, people who are self-competitive. That's what brings me happiness. Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where we bring you inside the minds of elite athletes, business owners, specialists, and other creatives. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these conversations, you'll hear practical advice and effective strategies for optimizing not only your performance, but also your habits and routines as well. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. What's going on, guys? So today, I have the pleasure of having on Mr. Eric Henman. He is a five-time Ironman entrepreneur, investor, and Hydrox competitor based out of Denver, Colorado. How are you feeling after this workout this morning? I'm feeling hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it was a good one. I'll say, you know, I was telling you, this is my third time up at V23, and it's definitely workouts that I don't normally do. Not familiar with CrossFit, with Metcons, things like that. But the more I've done it, you know, I've gotten better, more comfortable doing it. And uh, Ruth even said my clean and jerk or clean and press looked a lot better than last week. So mm. there's something there. It's a steep learning curve. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, CrossFit for me goes back to 2008 2009 when I first started doing some of those movements mm. and then I got into Ironman and you know I wasn't Olympic lifting I wasn't doing the gymnastics and a lot of them are skill-based movements like mm. when I was competing in Ironman I was taking CrossFit classes but I couldn't do double double unders yeah, yeah. and everyone is like you're one of the fittest people walking <laughs> into this gym and you can't do double unders and yeah I just didn't practice the skills so so much of it is that skill based yeah. you know muscle memory and developing the movement patterns for it yeah. and like 5 years ago is when i started training like a crossfit athlete mm -hmm. and learning the skills breaking down the movement patterns you know dialing in the technique taking off weights yeah. and you know, a lot of them are just explosive movements where it's yeah. more about the timing and technique than it is so much strength. A lot of it, like you said, yeah, is just repetition and skill because, you know, you can squat five, 600 pounds, but then, you know, you might be able to out, you know, snatch them or clean. And it's not just a strength factor. It is just, you know, like you said, the technique, the explosivity and things like that. So you mentioned Ironman. So that's obviously a big part of, I think, or maybe the origin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, of your like competitive athletic career. How did you get into that, and how did that really shape how you train and live uh, your life today as far as health and performance? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> in my early to mid-20s, I got pretty out of shape. I was sitting in a car driving 50,000 miles a year. I thought Subway was healthy. Um, yeah, I just didn't have the education to understand health and wellness back then. So I um, <clears throat> I hired a personal trainer in my late 20s and the personal trainer got me back into like aesthetically good-looking shape mm -hmm. and I also started to learn what you know proper strength training was like why I should be doing certain sets and reps mm -hmm. you know anaerobic conditioning how long you should do it how long you should rest so I started getting some understanding through that personal trainer and I always tell people if they're starting their fitness journey that hiring a personal trainer is a great way to start yeah, just so you have the accountability you have the education you have the structure around it mm -hmm. and those things are key into you know success in anything in life mm -hmm. so yeah I mean five days a week 30 minute sessions with that personal trainer and then I got into biking and running again and <clears throat> some of my friends had these fancy 
bikes that had four handlebars on them. And I'm like, those are really cool. I kind of want one. So I bought one, and then I realized that by buying one, it was I was going to be doing a triathlon because yeah. really the only comfortable way to ride those bikes is, you know, shorter distances in triathlons yeah. because you're hunched over in that aero position. Yeah. They're much better for individual riding than group riding like a road bike would be with a more ergonomic <laughs> riding position. Yeah. So signed up for my first triathlon and uh, I almost drowned in the swim. I had no swimming background. <laughs> You know, you just jump in with no, you know, no real pretty much, pretty yeah. much. I mean, I swam in a pool for about a month leading okay. up to the <laughs> leading up to the sprint triathlon. Yeah. And we're only talking 800 meter yeah. swim. It's not a long yeah. swim. So I knew like worst case scenario, I could just doggy just paddle my way through yeah. it. But yeah, I swam for a month before it. But still, I was like side stroking and backstroking in the in the race. It was yeah. in Casanova, New York. And I ended up coming third in my age group. And you know, triathlons kind of like high rocks where there's, there's a lot of different ways where you can place. Yeah. So it's empowering when you place yeah. in whatever it is, you know, especially I, when you didn't already have that experience with it and you felt like you probably didn't perform as optimal as you could in the swimming. You, you still it. did pretty well. Yeah. You got it. I thought I did well, but also knew that there was a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. And I also recognized that like, I love business. I love building things. I love creating my own destiny and being mm-hmm. directly responsible for it. And I recognize that triathlon was that. Like, it yeah, doesn't really – there's no yeah. genetic gift you need. It's just like a grit, grunt mm-hmm. work sport. Like, you put in a lot of purposeful practice, you can get really good at it. So mm-hmm. um, I signed up for an Olympic distance and then a half Ironman. And I used to do these triathlons every Wednesday night in Jamesville, New York. And I I would win them every single Wednesday. You know, this is maybe a year in. You know, I'm I'm getting really fit at this point. My running is is starting to get on point. My biking is on point. Swimming is improving. So I'm winning these triathlons. I'm going all out every Wednesday doing these triathlons, like CrossFit type efforts for an hour. Yeah. And, but I would sign up for local triathlon sprints, Olympic distances. And this one dude, Mike Corona, would always beat me in them. Mm. And, like, I looked way fitter than, than he looked. Yeah. And I'm like, why the hell is he beating me? I look so much fitter than him. I have yeah. a six-pack. You know, he doesn't yeah. have a six-pack. <clears throat> so I ended up hiring him as my coach. Yeah. And he taught me a really, really valuable lesson, two valuable lessons. The first one was there's a big difference between training and exercising. Training, there's purpose behind it. Exercising is just kind of, you burning know, going through the motions, motions to burn yeah. calories. And, you know, I mean, nothing wrong with that, but if you have a specific goal in mind, then training is a much better way to go about it. And then he also taught me that I had to slow down to speed up. Mm-hmm. I was coming from that CrossFit type mentality of like go, go, hammer go. it, go yeah. hard. Um, and, you know, I, I really only felt like I was exercising if I was doing mm-hmm. it at a high heart rate. I thought that's what, you know, training yeah. was. And he slowed all of my running down to under a 140 heart rate. And there's a method out there called the Maffetone method, Phil Maffetone, who talks a lot about aerobic training and, you know, teaching your body to burn fat for fuel, building durability through volume. And it took me three or four months to finally listen to him to slow down enough for it to make yeah. a difference. But I went from 2011 running a uh, 8.30 pace at like a 140 heart rate to 2014. I could run 20 plus miles at a 130 heart rate, 6.29 pace. And it was it was from doing 80 to 85% of my training at that 130 to 140 heart rate zone. Yeah. And, you know, what that allowed me to do is really 
ramp up the volume you you being an endurance athlete you understand that volume is the name of the game like you know we just did a, a crossfit session and you know anaerobically i'm very fit right now mm. but you would crush me in a 50 mile race a yeah. 30 mile race i mean maybe i could win up to two miles after yeah. that you're probably going to beat me <laughs> because you have way more durability yeah. from volume you know it, mm. it's not so much fitness when you get into endurance sports, it's, yeah. it's who has well, the best nutrition, you know, yeah. who has a ton of durability and who has a big, big, big aerobic diesel engine. Yeah. Well, fitness can mean a lot of things. And especially when you get to the endurance world, you know, there's marathon runners that don't stand much of a chance in ultra distance. You know, you don't see Kipchoge, you know, running ultra, di ultra, you know, distances, but the same way, you know, back and forth as far as, you know, what you're good at and what you're not good at. Uh, but I like your point about, you know, it really is an ego check and a hard thing to think about with training when you want to just go all out and you feel like that's where the gains are at. Uh, and, and there's certainly is purpose, you know, making, like you said, training versus exercising, making those purposeful workouts, those hard, intense sessions count. But it is a lot of that volume that you spend almost on those, you know, truly easy days that really makes these. That's where you, that you get the big gains, especially when it comes to the endurance and uh, building that aerobic engine. So. You go through Ironman training, you've kind of transitioned a little bit more towards, if we fast forward, to High Rocks. So do you want to give a brief breakdown of what High Rocks is and kind of how you implement that training into your kind of weekly program today? Because I know you have some High Rocks focus days, but you still do you know, time at V23. You do some workouts here. So I guess run with that. Yeah, so the way I enjoy training, like day in and day out, lends itself very well to competing in High Rocks. Also, I have a running background, which mm -hmm. you need with High Rocks. I don't have to run nearly as much as someone who is newer to running to perform yeah. well at High Rocks. But so what High Rocks is um, for the the elite athletes, it's about an hour time domain, and it is eight thousand meters total of running, broken into one thousand meter segments, and you run a thousand, and then you do a workout station. So the workout stations are a thousand meter row, a thousand meter ski erg, uh, hundred wall balls. A uh, heavy sled push, a heavy sled pull, burpee broad jumps for like 80 meters, a heavy farmer's carry for like 80 meters, a uh, heavy sandbag lunge for like 80 meters. Mm. Um, I believe that's eight that I named off. So you alternate between running the thousand and then doing that workout station. So you have to be a good runner. Specifically, you have to be a good runner under fatigue, which yeah. which I am from all of the Ironman years. I'm, I'm a better runner under fatigue than I am yeah. just flat out running. And you have to be strong. The sled push and sled pull are very heavy in this elite wave. I believe it's a 375-pound sled push and a 275-pound sled How pull. How far are you pushing and pulling it? I believe it's uh, 50 meters, so 150-ish feet. It's down and back, down and back 25 meters. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's 100 meters. God, that seems like a lot, but it could be that. It could be down and back um, four times, yeah. 25. So it's a good merger of, of strength and endurance, but it's almost it, – it takes away the – especially when comparing it to CrossFit, it takes away some of the technical lifts like, you know, your clean jerks, your clean presses, and, you know, different things like that. But there's still an element of strength, but it's almost more strength related to CrossFit, I'd say, because it is 
there's shorter to moderate bursts, but it's not you know single rep efforts like a powerlifting competition or something like that. Correct. Yeah, yeah. you need to have more like strength endurance and a high VO2 max yeah. than being super super strong. And there's very little skill involved with it. It really is just you know the cardio machines. Yeah. You know how hard can you go and then hang on to still run yeah. a six minute per mile pace for for a thousand. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I like the intensity of it. It's similar feeling to like running a 10 K all mm-hmm. out. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's very, it's, you know, it's not like Fran all out effort, but it's like yeah. 95% of your max heart rate for an hour. <laughs> it's a good balance. It's like, you don't have to pace yourself too much. You can kind of go for it, but there is a little bit of, okay. You know, you know, when you have some in the tank yeah. for later in there. So you have a competition coming up next month, right? Yeah. Is it in Chicago? I have the first one in Chicago in three weeks, uh-huh. uh, first weekend of November, and then I have one in Dallas the third week of November. And what I've been doing for, like, specific high rocks training. I was about to ask, like, compared yep. to your recent performances, you know, in this past year or last year, how are you, you know, training a little bit differently, or what are you focusing on most that you feel like you've struggled with you know, that you can improve upon these uh, performances. Yeah. So I already have a pretty big engine um, yeah. from all of the Ironman work. You know, mm-hmm. I can go for three, four hour rides and mm-hmm. a couple hour runs if I need to. But what I've been doing more is anaerobic efforts and also long anaerobic efforts. So the CrossFit training lends itself very well to high rocks because, you know, there's metabolic conditioning, you're doing yeah. high intensity yeah. intervals. So you're increasing your VO2 max and, you know, strength training obviously is a huge component of CrossFit. You want to be strong for yeah. high rocks, but I've also been ramping up the running and rucking a lot. And also mm-hmm. every Sunday doing high rock specific workouts where mm-hmm. I'm either mimicking high rocks, like literally doing a simulation yeah, yeah. or I'm doing kind of like 10 minute blocks where it's workout into a run, workout yeah. into a run to practice that running at a high intensity under fatigue. And also like I've backed off on my mountain biking, both the mm-hmm. number of times I'm doing it and the duration. I'm not really doing anything in excess of 90 minutes right now. A lot of my stuff is in that 60 ish minute time domain. When I go for a mountain bike ride, when I go for a ruck, when yeah. I go for a run, when I do the high rock simulation workouts. So yeah, the closer you get to any competition, the more you want to replicate the yeah, intensity the and movements yeah. and specificity of, of that. So that's what I've been doing is backing off some on the duration, upping the intensity, doing a lot of running under duress and a lot yeah. of like quad dominant things like rucking yeah. is very, you know, quad Hard, dominant yeah. where you have a ruck I, pack on your back. I and, felt it enough on uh, Mount Falcon last week and I wasn't even carrying the 40 pounds. So yeah. <laughs> I definitely did. Yeah. High rocks is very quad dominant. Like yeah. you need, you need some quad endurance for it. Your quads mm-hmm. are wrecked at the end of it. Cause so much of those, the running and a lot of those workout stations are just, they're taxing your quads. Yeah. So someone who's pretty inexperienced with anabolic conditioning like myself, how do you feel are the best or like, like what advice would you give to structure workouts or exercise that you would focus on to really build up that conditioning for Metcons for things like high rocks kind of what you know is it EMOMs is it things like we did today you know these different kind of pyramid schemes how would you kind of guide someone to to build up that conditioning what are the principles i guess you would give them yeah i mean my favorite tool for this is the assault bike and yeah. the rogue echo bike oh, i got one yeah, yeah i feel it <laughs> a fan bike fan bikes are incredible because i don't know any other machine where you can get your heart rate that high that quick so 
Oh yeah, the fan bikes are incredible for anaerobic conditioning. Also, like doesn't require skill. Yeah, um, yeah. it's you know anyone is gonna suffer on that thing. Yeah. So I highly recommend space. assault bike intervals, and that can be as short as like fifteen second max effort, forty five second rest. So a one to three you know work to rest ratio, yeah. so that you recovered enough to back that effort up again. Do it six times, eight times, ten times. Obviously depends on your fitness level and what kind of volume you're used to, but short anaerobic efforts are, are going to be what boosts your vo2 max the fastest and that's what i would recommend to you know just increase your lactic threshold um other movements would be i love burpee box jump overs, skier growing sprints yeah. sprints on the assault runner sprints on a hill sprints mm-hmm. in general are going to be an incredible way and again like these are just like 15 second to 90 second intervals mm-hmm. And you're resting at least the same amount of time that you're working, if not more. Generally, the shorter the effort, the more I'm going to have to rest because I went at such a high intensity for that interval. Mm -hmm. Whereas like a 90-second effort, you know, I I don't know that I would have to rest three times that. I might just rest, you know, 90 seconds if I do a 90-second effort. And, you know, I would be pretty well recovered to hit it hard again. So at this point, you've you've earned the, the great luxuries of this backyard and the different recovery modalities and things like that. So what would you say, you know, besides obviously, you know, a big thing that you've talked about multiple times and, you know, we've talked about on this podcast before is sleep is obviously the main recovery tool, the main, you know, modality people should focus on. And of course your diet comes into play, high protein, things like that. But as far as excluding those, what are some other things that you really utilize to make sure you're recovered, to make sure you avoid injury and keep your body in tip top shape to, you know, go through all these difficult movements, these difficult workouts and, uh, you know, stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, we've done my recovery routine together. Um, we've designed our backyard to be a health and wellness oasis. You know, I'm a true believer in designing your environment so you thrive. So we have a Sisu barrel sauna here that gets up to 230 degrees. Mm -hmm. We have, um, cold plunges from ice barrel here. So my typical routine every single night around 4 PM, I do 20 to 25 minutes in the sauna between 200 and 210 degrees. And then I'll do five minutes in the ice barrel set at about 42 to 45 degrees and I'm doing two to three rounds of that um I'm pretty religious about it even when traveling I'll seek out you know a sauna when I'm traveling uh gym that has a sauna gym that has a you know cold exposure um I will typically book an Airbnb that has a bathtub so at the very least I can take a hot Epsom salt bath at night I'm a big fan of hot hot and cold exposure contrast therapy um, you know, both of them are, you're going to get tremendous benefits from, but I like doing the contrast therapy. That is by far my favorite recovery routine. I've been doing it for five years now. And I had a lot of aches and pains from all of the high volume running yeah. during those Ironman years. And I really noticed after a one year period of doing it consistently, they all went away. And more importantly, you know, I just, I I've developed this incredible stress resilience and grit from doing it. I don't get sick anymore. It's obviously an incredible boost to your immune system. There's incredible cardio vascular benefits. I mean, I've seen studies out of Finland. Um, if you're doing it four to seven times per week, it decreases all cause mortality by 60%, which is a pretty mm-hmm. staggering number. Yeah. So, and you just feel good after, I mean, so much yeah. of this stuff, I'm very feeling based. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a yeah. scientist. You know, I am an experimenter and, mm. you know, ultimately, do I feel better afterwards? Do I have a high level of energy? Do I yeah. have mental clarity? Do I have emotional well-being? Am I doing it in a community setting where I'm having flow state conversations with people? So all of these things come into play with, you know, the sauna and cold plunge culture. 
Yeah, and you know, building off this this beautiful ba- uh, backyard space you built with you know different rigs, machines. Obviously, we mentioned the sauna and the ice bureau. You've really cultivated this community, and you know what I've seen on your, your Instagram a lot, and what I've also experienced is just a very welcoming attitude to not only uh, be willing to let other people be a part of of what you do in your in your backyard and and things like that, but also invite people and be really engaging with developing like like i said as simply as it sounds a a great culture that is just around good vibes people supporting each other and and yeah just lifting each other up so how how do you kind of view community and what you want this backyard space and a lot of your life and routine to be yeah so you know i've recognized how great i feel from the practices that i employ from exercise to recovery to being outside skill-based activities that produce flow state being in the sun um you know connecting with nature and you know ultimately i want people to feel that same way i feel from a lot of those activities so you know that's you know, I practice what I preach and I want others hopefully to be able to employ some of these various protocols so they can become the best version of of themselves. And, you know, I love doing it with others. There's just such a chemistry and energy when you do it with like-minded people or you expose someone to it for their first time. And afterwards they're like, damn, I feel so good. (laughs) Like what a serotonin hit. And like your mind is firing on all cylinders. And you know, I partied hard in my 20s. You know, I definitely abused alcohol and um, yeah, I used alcohol to fuel vulnerability. And, you know, that was my community based setting. And that was my friend group. And, you know, the last 15 years of my life, I've transformed my environment. I've transformed my friend group. And all of it is built around health and wellness now. And, you know, I feel great. I just feel like my authentic self. I feel so vulnerable. And, um, I just want to share that with others to do things where, you know, you're, you're not getting a hangover from it. You feel yeah. good the next day. You feel good after. Maybe in the moment, I call some of this stuff type two fun where yeah. there might be a little suffer in the moment. But yeah. afterwards, you feel really, really good. And you also feel like you accomplished something. So, you know, I, I, I like to build my day around what I call tiny wins. You yeah. Know, all of these little things that, yeah. you know, bring me joy and bring me a sense of accomplishment and bring me a sense of, of purpose and progress. Yeah, well, I, I wrote that down because I wanted to expand on that because I really like that concept of tiny wins because I think, you know, the more you can just, I don't know, as simple as it sounds, just check some boxes, add just a little bit to your life that can just enrich your life or your wellness. It really does create this, you know, snowball momentum into other things and it makes larger goals, harder events and different things you're kind of pursuing in life that much more attainable. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, just, you know, every day having structure, I think that's so key. And, you know, I've, it took a while, but I kind of know exactly what structure I thrive in. I know what environment I thrive in. I know the people to surround myself with where I thrive. And yeah, I mean, those tiny wins just kind of build on flow state, energy, mental clarity. So, you know, starting the day with, I love, again, skill-based activities, yeah. like making the perfect espresso. Mm-hmm. So I kind of start my day with a skill-based activity yeah. of trying to perfect I, I appreciate espresso. my pour-over as well. Yeah, yeah. exact pour-over, yeah. whatever it may be. And then, you know, my first big win of the day is that workout that yeah. we just did at V23, where we just worked out for 90 minutes. It was strength training, anaerobic conditioning. It sets the tone for the day. Yeah, it yeah. sets the tone for the day. Like, 
like, I feel great now. And, you know, now we're having this flow state conversation, yeah. connecting on a deep level. Um, and again, this is going to build on flow and presence. And after this, I'm going to go into the mountains and I'm going to go for a mountain bike ride, yeah. building on flow and presence. And then I'm going to do my recovery routine and, you know, probably either have some conversations in the sauna with people that are over here or answer messages on social media. So again, like connecting with people, um, and boosting your serotonin throughout yeah. the day with all of these different activities. And, you know, there's progress with all of them. Each of them are like this little hurdle that when you get over that hurdle, you know, there's a sense of satisfaction and progress. And I really believe that like progress in life is what brings, you know, people who are self-competitive. That's what brings me happiness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, especially when I, analyze you know a lot, a lot of your day-to-day that is and of course instagram is just a snapshot right of your day but a lot of things that you share as far as your know, morning routines like we talked about the different recovery routines in your program what are some key either habits or parts of your your routine that you feel like have made the biggest difference or that you know other people could kind of easily add because obviously a sauna someone's not just going to go have one, go pick up one at Home Depot, build it out instantly. But what are some like real practical, I guess, habits or, or routines that people could could add to their routine, I should say? Yeah. To kind of I mean, them? I think where I've gotten the most bang for my buck is definitely exercise. And yeah. specifically, you know, I always tell people for general well-being to like increase your lifespan, health span, to feel yeah. your best, lifting heavy weights, doing anaerobic conditioning. I like to do those on the same day. So mm-hmm. I'll do the the lifting, complex lifts, squatting, pulling, deadlifts, pressing movements, and then those you know anaerobic efforts that we talked about, like the assault bike intervals. I'll do them in a morning session. So like structuring that into your day when you can yeah. fit that in, super important, yeah. non-negotiable. Every single day I do that. And then I think um, the on the other days that you're not doing it, so do that one day. And then yeah. on the next day, do like a 45-minute aerobic session outdoors, yeah. ideally running, biking, something outdoors where, again, you're getting vitamin D, you're in yeah. the sun. It's, it's meditative. You know, I think especially me coming from a lifting background and owning a gym and seeing so many people that, you know, cardio is only seen as suffering and something just to burn calories, you know, when you can really find – either a form of endurance you enjoy or at least a reason to enjoy it you really reap the benefits of you know cardiovascular training and all the things that it can provide especially when you know you can lift outside but there is something so meditative something so just valuable and peaceful to going on a mountain bike ride or running you know outside and just yeah getting your your sunlight getting your alone time honestly yeah and uh, it's it just it's something I think some people miss out is just getting both your resistance training and your running, because for me, they do different things for me physically and mentally. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, I think there needs to be a balance of community things like yeah. my V23 workouts. I'm generally doing them with others. I like that energy and chemistry. But my mountain bike rides, I'm typically doing I might start with someone, but, you know, we're both off doing our own yeah. thing. It's alone. That's my solitude. And yeah. I think we all need to build in, you know, meditation time, solitude time. I call that my moving meditation. I also get a deep tissue massage every other week where I completely tune out for 90 minutes. 
minutes, no distractions. You know, I think having solitude is super important and I like combining that with exercise, but I do think it's important to find people to do it with for one component of it. So maybe that's tennis or pickleball for your aerobic activity part of it, where you're doing it with someone that you enjoy being around because, you know, there is an energy of doing it with others and CrossFit specifically, there's also like the, you know, even though I'm not competing with the others around me, it makes yeah. me compete with myself For sure. even further with the you other can, people. Doing it's the definitely workout. easier to push yourself when yeah. you, you get other people suffering the same way. Definitely. Yeah. Like I would have never done the wall balls that yeah. we did today unbroken here if yeah. I was doing it by myself at 730 in the morning. Yeah. But other people doing it around me, like I know I can do it, <sighs> so do might it. as well yeah. just do it. Yeah. <laughs> So another big portion of, of your life and especially, you know, which what, what you've done in the past, you know, decade and moving forward is your work with brands and also with, you know, investing in brands with that. So when you're getting approached by brands or you come across uh, different companies or products that you're interested in, how do you go about, you know, really choosing I want to work with this brand or be involved with this? Because, you know, I've seen a lot of times you've had the actual owners of different brands come here, train with you, you know, Pete, Matt with Fro Pro, um, Wyatt with Ice Barrel and things like that. And you've, I feel like a lot of that is analyzing the leadership behind the brand because I think that is important with, you know, A, the values uh, of that company, but also kind of where they're headed because obviously, you know, a strong leader needs to be present to actually, I guess, move the envelope with that. So how, how do you go about, I guess, uh, analyzing brands that you want to work with? Yeah, I mean, so for me to emotionally connect with a brand, I need to know the why behind yeah. it. And that oftentimes means meeting the executive team, the founder. Like, I love hearing the story behind why they created the brand. So it's super important for me to meet in person the, the people I work with. Um, is it a product or service I'm going to use in life? Um, I did not ever anticipate this becoming a business. You know, it started out with brands just sending me product, and I was like, this is really cool yeah (laughs) um and you know it's since turned into a business and you know now i'm really turning it into a brand and i but i don't want it to feel like work you know i want it to just coincide with my lifestyle and just be documenting my lifestyle and hopefully adding value along the way for my audience and the brands i work with so yeah i mean a big deciding factor is is that you know something i'm gonna ten thousand actually wear all the time and you know blake seed based a product i'm taking with me to eat afterwards and like things i like to use so that it just flows with my day and it can just be documenting my day instead of you know uh, posed shoots and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I love hosting people. I mean, going back to community, like just like-minded people. I want to work with like-minded people. I want to work with people that enjoy the same things I do. So, I mean, all of the companies, the founders, they're into health and wellness. They're into sauna cold exposure. They're into the things I'm into. So it makes it easy for us to connect on a really deep level in person. Um, and like I, we we just went to this buffalo ranch yeah. in South yeah, Dakota really for cool. Wild Idea Buffalo and like you know i got to hear the 25 year story of this family building their buffalo ranch and the importance it is to them to like give back to the environment to make sure that what they're doing farming, is environment yeah. mm-hmm. environmentally friendly and yeah. regenerative and we got to see like pictures of what the prairie looked like you know 25 years ago when 
in one day, this prairie was ruined, and then it's taken them 25 years to bring the prairie back to its original ecosystem that took one day to ruin. So, yeah, I mean, like, seeing stuff like that, like, you connect so deeply with that person's why by going there, visiting them, and understanding what makes them tick every single day, what their purpose is in life. So. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, ultimately, like, I want to provide ROI for the brands I work with. I've owned businesses. I invest in, you know, a number of these businesses. So I want to make sure that I'm providing a return for them. And I also want to make sure that I'm providing good content to my audience. And, you know, I like to think that I have a decent pulse on, you know, the latest and greatest and things that people might not be aware of. So I try to expose people, you know, to those trends that I'm seeing and to those brands that, that I'm seeing. Yeah, well, I really like that, you know, you view it in that kind of perspective, because I think a lot of people, especially with, you know, the industry of influencers has obviously exploded the past, you know, decade, really, but definitely the past couple of years. And so many times I think people can get swallowed up by, you know, we mentioned how it's cool once you first get a couple brands to either reach out or send products. But a lot of times you come to a point where you need to know when to say no and when to say yes. And I think a big thing that, you know, you do a great job of and I I try to do as well is knowing when to say no and knowing when a brand really fits you and it's a a, product that you actually use. Because not only is it something that you can actually feel honest and and authentic about, but also it lends a hand to the brand because when you actually wear 10,000 all the time, you actually eat Blake C or use your ice bear all the time. It, it doesn't feel like work, as you mentioned earlier. I think your audience notices that you're actually using it, and it's not just, you know, a play for money or, or, or something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it leads me to kind of the question, so how do you balance basically positioning yourself as a brand and for, you know, companies uh, so that they want to work with you and, you're, you know, you're a valuable asset and can, can provide that ROI while also – still providing engaging, authentic content, organic content uh, for the public, you know, that isn't just coming to you as, you know, a list of ads, right? Yeah, I mean, educational is kind of the, is is the way I like to do it. So, you know, I'm providing education around regenerative agriculture, providing yeah. education around recipes that we're using, providing education around how we eat, how we supplement, um, providing education around, you know, how I train, the training gear I use. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's either it's either like something like Flux or 10,000 where I'm just wearing it all the time. Yeah. And obviously you don't have to be all that salesy and advertisement based with things like that. Cause it's just what I'm wearing to the gym every day. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I share my workouts every single day on my, on my Instagram story so people can see what I'm wearing. And with the, the stuff that's more, you know, would be more in your face type salesy. It's more education around it. Yeah. Like, why is this better than this? Why is grass fed grass finished, you know, healthier for you than grass fed grain finished. So yeah. again, I'm trying to pick brands where I feel like they do have a competitive edge and, yeah. I can educate around their competitive edge of how hopefully, you know, it's bettering me and bettering those people that I'm telling about it. Yeah. I feel like if it's a, if it's a truly good product or brand, you know, you or I don't have to do the work. They've done the work. We just have to kind of share, you know, the key points or, or use the product ourselves, and you know, it'll, it'll gather interest. So you mentioned, you know, just a few moments ago about how, you know, for a while you were taking it, you know, taking advantage of these different brands kind of coming to you. And now you're actually taking the route of really making 
Eric Hinman the brand? You know, how do you go about, I guess, as, you know, advice to other content creators or influencers? You know, what would your advice be about, you know, treating yourself as a business and really, you know, looking at your own Instagram feed, your own content, and I guess really dialing it in? Like, how do you, how do you go about maximizing your brand and how, how brands can perceive you? Yeah, I mean two words, narrow and deep. I mean, I think that is the best way now to develop an audience and um, to garner attention, which, I mean, we're in this attention-based economy yeah. right now where you got so many things trying to get your attention. So um, I think going narrow and deep is by far the best way to do it. So figuring out something you're really passionate about, figuring out where you want to spend the next five years of your life, like educating, inspiring, evoking some kind of emotion with, and just like going narrow and, and deep on it. So I mean, I, I'm sure many people listening to your podcast probably know who Liver King is. He's gone <laughs> narrow and deep with Liver. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you kind of you know what you're going to get by yeah. following him. Like his stories are very much the same each day. His posts are very much the same. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't really know. Like yeah. it's going to be some <laughs> crazy new stunt. And yeah. what he's doing is, you know, he now I see him doing this a lot. He's using, you know, Instagram, YouTube shorts, TikTok, all of that stuff to then transfer you to more of his longer form content yeah. and you know he has a very strong why i appreciate what he's putting he, he's out definitely there. A, one of those you know bigger than life personas yeah. you know and not not everyone can do that but i think you know you raised a good point and you know maybe you utilize this technique as well but you know i've definitely had to transition my content even the past year with the rise of tiktok and instagram pushing real so much a big portion of you know the content A I enjoy making and B that did well was photos. But now, yeah. as I'm sure you know, Instagram hates photos. Yeah, they don't want to share it at all. You post, and you know, vast majority of your followers never see it. So I think that is a good strategy of you know, throwing out those reels, those shorts, things like that, and you know, it's almost like a sales funnel, right? You know, you're yeah. grabbing that interest at the top and hopefully they follow along to your profile, to your podcast, you know, to, to hear more about you or, yep. or what you're all about. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's a funnel. It's uh, you know, short form content, long form content. Yeah. And then, you know, if you have a product or service to sell, it's providing a ton of value before you ever have that hook with yeah. whatever the sale is. Um, you know, for me, I, I mean, I have brand deals. I don't have a product per se that I'm selling. I just work with a lot of brands that I'm yeah. really passionate about. And ultimately I like investing in a lot of these brands. So yeah. that's where I get the ROI. Yeah. So besides High Rocks coming up very soon, what's next for Eric Hinman? Uh, I mean, this weekend we're hosting <laughs> a peak performance retreat. I'm doing yeah. it with my buddy Mike. Uh, it's going to be a really fun day. We have 10 people coming here yeah. starting at 8 a.m. And it's basically going to be a day in the life yeah. where you know we're starting with the workouts some smoothies afterwards and then we're going to go off into the mountains and do a ruck and yeah. then hit a cold stream come back here refuel do a sauna cold plunge full recovery yeah. session barbecue with buffalo meat afterwards and just hopefully like really bond with the people that yeah. are coming and you know hopefully everyone can take something away from it mike is going to be talking about flow state he studied under stephen kotler the author of becoming superman so Super excited for him to share his wisdom about flow state and how you can get into flow state and, you know, applying it to various aspects of your life. Yeah. So continue to cultivate community and yeah. maximize performance. So where can people find you? Instagram is best. I am now on TikTok and YouTube, starting to build out those platforms, website. Everything is Eric Hinman. So Eric Hinman.com or yeah, like all that. of the different social media channels. I always feel like that's the best name. thing to do. And I always 
you know, brag about myself, whatever. I was so glad, you know, as young as I was, just making the Instagram username Brock Covington. Yeah. Because then it's like, it's set. It's easy to find. Could be dangerous, you know, but as long as you know you put yeah. out good stuff, uh, it's it's only a good problem to have. Definitely. Awesome. Well, I appreciate having you on. And uh, if people have any more questions, they can definitely uh, hit you up and give you a follow and things of that nature. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, please share it. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks, brother.